Hi, and welcome to Season 5 of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. It's Bob again. I've got the curious one from Food Stamps to CEO, One Woman's Journey Through Struggle, Tragedy, Success, and Love. And I've got Chelsea Burler here on the line. Chelsea, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Now, uh, we were chatting earlier about you not having an accent. You were originally from? North Dakota. I was uh, born and raised in North Dakota and moved away um, shortly after I graduated and ended up in Florida for a while and then met my now husband, which we reside in Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) Now, does he have a a, a twangy accent? He's from New York. Oh, my God. What a couple. I know. So he is a very, very New York type talker. So we sound we sound pretty funny in the South. <laughs> you must be loved for your accent. <laughs> I know. People always ask me if I'm from Canada and I'm like, well, close, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nor- up there in the North Country. <laughs> right. So what motivated you to write the book? Yeah. So I had a couple close mentors in my life helping me with building my business and that knew my story um, about the the trials and tribulations of how I got to where I am today. And they've been chatting with me a little bit about starting to write a book. And I thought they were ridiculously crazy. And I thought I would never write a book. I'm not all that great of a writer, I thought. And who would want to hear my stories? You know, why is that interesting to people? <laughs> I, I looked at it as something that maybe wouldn't be. Um, and then I got asked a question from, from one of the mentors. And she said, what if your story inspired and helped and potentially changed someone's life? At least one person, would you do it? And I said, well, yeah. I mean, when we're talking purposeful work here, why wouldn't I do that? I would want to help people. And if I could help through my story, then awesome. You know, that's, that's great. And so I thought about it for a while and then reached out to an editor in New York and we chatted more about it. And finally there was a lot of buzz and interest around it. And so I just dove in and and started writing. It took about six months to do. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, but that's really how it became to be. Hmm. Now, you know, it's interesting. I talk with a lot of different writers, you know, and some say, oh, it took four years. It took seven weeks. It took six months. Was it actually six months or was it uh, there was a collecting and then the writing and then there was an editing and stuff like that? Or was it actually six months? Well, no, it was definitely six months of collaborative work. So uh, I had to talk to the editor a lot about the stories and I had to write a lot of stuff. And then she would go ahead and massage it and, and, you know, correct the grammar and, you know, those types of things. And then I would have to approve it. And so we went chapter by chapter. So first we laid out the actual book and what we want the chapters to be. And then we just went, started with one chapter and went from there. But it was exactly six months of that collaborative process for sure. Yeah, yeah. As a writer of a book, you end up reading the book 30 or 40 or 50 times. And by the time it comes out, a lot of times you really don't want to be picking up that book and reading it again. 
Did yeah, you have that trouble? It, <laughs> totally. It was kind of an exhausting um, process because, to be honest, it, it was hard for me, not in the aspect of writing, but it was hard because I had to relive a lot of stories that I, I tucked um, I tucked away in my life and never had thought about since they happened. And so having to go through that process, there was a piece of it being very therapeutic. And then there was a piece of it that, of things that I didn't want to talk about or do. But I had to really keep pushing forward and realize that that in order for this to be purposeful and to help people and to inspire people, it needs to be all of it. It needs to be the good and the bad. And I have to really push through it. And so I think that after it was done, it wasn't that I, I mean, I was exhausted, but it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to read it anymore. It was, I was really embarrassed at first to have people learn so much about me that, that things I've never told anyone before or very few people. And to basically have my whole site, my whole self out there and in front of people. And it's like you're naked standing in Times Square, you know. And uh, for a while, you know, that that moment of when it first came out, I was like, should I have done that? Should I not have? Maybe I shouldn't have done it. Maybe it was too much, whatever. And and then um, I started getting a lot of feedback, a lot of emails, a lot of fan mail, basically uh, just saying how I've helped change people's lives. And it's been you know, outpouring from them ever since. And, and so now I feel like it was the right thing to do. I'm so glad I did it. It's made an impact. And that was really my goal. Hmm. Yeah. It's almost like having, uh, the world's most, uh, unforgiving psychologist. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> more, more. Exactly. Um, you know, this is a, this is a business book podcast and, and I classify this as a business book because Part of being in business is getting knocked down and getting up, and really, this is what the book's all about. Um, as as you were writing the book and and rediscovering and re remembering a lot of this stuff, was it easier, or did you think it's? Can you perceive it as being easier now, looking back and saying, "Yeah, okay, I got knocked down and I got up," or was it? just as hard as, as the day that it happened that you made the decision, you know what, I got to move forward. I've, I've got to keep going. Well, I think that in, you know, a, a huge part of the story has everything to do with how I started my business at 22 years old. And, you know, by the time I was 26, 27, I was a half million dollar business in it. And there's so much more that comes into play in that and and there's so many things that people don't talk about but there there's there's two pieces to it there's how I became who I am on a personal level and then how I actually came from that adversity and created something that allowed me to not have my past define my future and now looking back on it I would say it was the all of these things were like the best things I've ever done Although there was a lot of heartache and a lot of, will I survive this kind of conversation happening in my head? Um, but I think it really goes to show people that you can do and create anything that you want. It's all in a choice. It's all in how you look at it. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be really hard. And I will not sugarcoat that. Um, but it's worth it. It's really worth it. You just have to keep pushing forward. Mm. 
Yeah, it's. I think one of the toughest things being an entrepreneur is uh, believing yourself for such a long period of time. You know, a lot, many, many, many people that haven't tried the entrepreneurial path, um, they're in an office, they're in a cubicle, and say, "Gosh, I got to get out of here," having no understanding about what an amazingly difficult path that they're embarking on. And it's not like something you do nine to five. It's twenty four seven. And it's unending. And when you're down, nobody picks yourself up except you don't have a manager that comes and yells you. So get on the phone, hustle it up. You got to do that yourself. And uh, it, it's tough. So for you, how were you able to, to get past those, those moments? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I had no other choice. I didn't want to go backwards. I didn't. I didn't want to not do what what I wanted to do. And I felt like I had no other path. Like this is what I'm putting all my eggs in one basket for. This is what I need to do. And I can't back down. I can't say this is too hard. I can't say it's not working because it's all I have right now. And so focusing on just knowing that that's all you got um, will just make you make something happen from it. And I think that not having anything else made that a much bigger driving factor for me, for sure. Yeah, it's it's almost like um, you realize that you're you're in the driving seat and, and nobody's there except yourself. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's either you're going to be steering the stuff, putting the brake on and putting the putting accelerator on. Well, and in that regard, too, one thing to note is you can only rely on yourself. There's only you and there's no one coming to save you. There's no one coming to support you like you have to do this. I mean, yes, of course, you can create the team of support and mentors and all of that. But the only person you can really rely on is yourself. You have to make this happen. No one's going to do it for you. Yeah, I, I have a, a maxim, which is basically, you know, you can have the best mentor in the world, but if you're not willing to action what they recommend, then you, what, what's the point of having a mentor? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. What about self-doubt? How do you power through self-doubt? And, and you know what, for people listening, self-doubt isn't something you conquer and goes away. Self-doubt is something that can happen anytime f- for your whole life. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, every day. I mean, every minute, really. You're constantly second-guessing yourself and and doubting yourself. But I think that it's allowing you to have a little peace in your life, some silence around some things. And to be able to sit within that is important for me. Uh, A good example is I have basically a ritual every day when I wake up and and I spend some time alone with myself. And I think about and I process things and I, you know, have a cup of coffee and I I need that time to almost muster up the courage for that next big day. And it's not that I can't do it or that I don't want to do it. It's it's that I, I'm always afraid of failure for sure. I mean, I think any entrepreneur is, but I'm not going to let that um, fear get to me, but I am going to prepare myself every morning for each day and and live in that regard because it helps me really process things on a much more bite sized level, and it gets me through it. Hmm. Now you know a lot of people in the world, and uh, because of the economic situation that we've been struggling through over the past, I would say almost ten years now, in some countries way way longer, surviving on faith. Uh, in yourself is is probably paramount to survival period. And 
when do you think people should reach out to others and try and get help from others and not try and tough it out themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that we all have those moments when we're first starting our business or, or our entrepreneurial journey where we think, oh, we can't afford help. We have to do it all ourselves. And for a little while, that's true because you have to make something viable of what you're doing. You can't be in debt doing it. But I do think that it's important to have a group of people that you can um, talk about ideas and talk about things you're going through. And maybe those are close friends to start that just help you ping stuff off of them. Um, maybe it gets to be a, a mentor that you're able to chat with here and there um, in terms of business. Now, when I started being able to make money, uh, that's when I started reaching out in, into a team environment and needing that team support. And I think that was important because I didn't wait until I needed it. I did it a little bit prior because I wanted to build a sustaining business. And so I wasn't always wanting to uh, only strike when the fire's hot, basically. So I really invested in myself and in the team at a very uh, early on stage of the business. And it, it's always worked out for me. And I always say without the team, I'm nothing because I, I might have a vision for something, but I, I am within this circle of amazing people that are expertise in their own way and allowing them to do their thing within this culture and environment I've created is really the most amazing thing. Hmm. Now, um, you know, in the back of the book, you have a whole session about giving thanks. And I want to just touch on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's definitely a, a bigger part of the story than, than just the, the last couple of pages because the reason I am where I am today is because of all those people that said I couldn't do it. For all those people that didn't believe in me, for all those people that had something to say about me not being able to make anything of myself, um, just for all those people that were against me, it actually gave me the power and the fire in me to be able to create something and make something happen. And so I give so much thanks to them because they're the reason why I've gotten so far in, in business and in life. And without them, without their constant, you can't, you can't, you can't, I'm not sure I would have pushed myself as hard as I did. So I, I always, when I do speaking engagements or any type of interviews, I always talk about how you need to give thanks to those people that um, didn't believe in you because they're really a huge factor in the success of your, your business and yourself. You know, in business, you, you, you tend to get into pessimistic moods and stuff like that. And, and for sure, it's nice having somebody that you can go look at and say, wow, that person really doesn't get what I'm talking about. They don't get my vision at all, which re-inspires you. It, it makes you look back and say, wow, are they right or am I wrong? And should I give up? And there's so many people out there that have started a business or had to try have tried to change their life to, to make it a better life and then basically given up too soon. And I remember when I was younger watching um, a cartoon about a, a coyote, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, and I would get so angry at this stupid coyote that would only try that very expensive looking piece of equipment to kill this this 
this bird once and almost and said, well, try it again. Just try again. And he wouldn't. He'd try the next thing. He'd try the next thing. He'd try the next thing. How important do you feel it is to push through that type of thing and try again and try again and try again? And then know when to, know when to say, you know what? I've tried and it's time to pivot. It's, try, it's time to try something new because there, that's a fine line between when to stop pushing forward and try something new. Yeah, I think that a lot of times when you start something, it takes several um, trial and error periods before you can really master it. But I think my intuition would allow me to decide if I need to stop trying and start doing something else or, or start focusing my energy elsewhere. So there wasn't anything other than me saying like, okay, um, I tried it three times, three different ways. It's still not going. I'm not going to force this. So how can I take this and make it different and potentially successful? And so I, I think as entrepreneurs, we're constantly recreating ourselves and recreating what we're working on. And I, I do think that we all have that that feeling of, okay, it's time to move on from this. Because we like to run at all these bright, shiny objects, we kind of know what ends up sticking and what doesn't. You know, if you're throwing a bunch of things up at the wall, you're going to be able to see pretty quickly what's not working. And the biggest thing within that is just making sure, like you said, to pivot quickly because of it. You don't want to stick too much time and energy on something that is just being forced that isn't working because that could be detrimental to the vision and the creativeness that you're bringing to the table. And you just have to really recognize it no matter how much you love it or how much you are attached to it to move from that, move on from it. Mm. You know, when you were writing the book, putting it together, editing it like crazy, um, for you, what was a crystallizing moment? What was your aha moment where you knew about it, but it really came home and, and, and struck a chord? Yeah, um, I think it was probably, I, I, I don't um, publicly talk a lot about how much money I've made. And the editor would consistently say, you know, you need to write your figures in your, you need to write where your business is at, you know, half a million dollars, million dollars, all that. And so I was like, okay, you know, no big deal. And after I did it, I really realized like, wow, I'm 30 years old and I've done this. And I can't believe that it's happened in that regard because for the last uh, eight years, I've had my head and nose to the ground just working, just doing, 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 and really not taking a break or a breath to like stop and and um, celebrate the successes. And so the book was a turning point for me that where I was feeling more like I need to step back and really be grateful and celebrate where I'm at today and stop thinking so aggressively about the future because I need to celebrate these small milestones uh, to make it worth it, you know, to, to make us feel like we are making an impact in the world. Mm. Well, yeah, a lot of time for, for entrepreneurs and workaholics, it's you, you're just so driven forward to that, that goal that is perpetually changing, just going a little bit further away. If you look back at what's happened over, you know, one year or six months or, or five years, um, if you start tracking that, you realize, wow, I've been surpassing my set goals. And I think a, a lot of businesses 
uh, part of their their structural flaw is that they're not looking back at their original business plan and rejigging their goals, but also looking at, oh, wow, we were planning to do this over six months. We did it in two months. That's amazing. They forget about doing that, and they don't realize the actual momentum that they have going in their company. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, because I have challenged that that status and how naturally you're taught and educated on starting a business and having a business plan and have a year and two years and three and five year goals. Um, I had none of that. And to be honest with you, I knew I wanted to start something on my own. I knew I wanted to get out of corporate. And I basically took all the tools and resources that I knew and that I knew I was good at to combine into a business. But all my goals were, were to be able to supplement my income so I could quit corporate and to be able to pay my bills. And I never had this vision of a team of 20 people, a million dollar global business. None of that actually was, was in my mind. It was, it was very small. It was very, I just want to be able to, to do better in the world and to do purposeful work. And I, I want to be able to pay my bills and not work in corporate, you know, and, and it exploded in a much bigger way. And so I, I never had this big vision. Um, it, it was so much smaller. And so it really goes to show you that sometimes you can get into uh, starting a business and kind of putting things forward and just doing. And before you know it, it's much different and it's evolved much differently than you ever thought or imagined it could. Mm. Well, I get in a lot of these books that we talk about, um, uh, one of the, the truisms that come out of it is most businesses that are started to make a profit don't do well and businesses that are driven from the heart and from the the uh, visionary at the beginning um, want to change the world to become a better place or improve a market and make the market better because they're frustrated because they think that it's not being utilized properly. Those companies tend to do very, very well. And this is once again happened for yourself where, it you know, I just want to make enough money to survive. I just want to make money so I'm not being terrorized daily with this these horrible work environments. I just want to have the feeling of freedom. Those were your goals. Uh, but to drive it, the vehicle to drive it there was very altruistic. And oh, yeah. I think that is, I think, the secret to a lot of entrepreneurs is you can't become an entrepreneur based on greed. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Totally. I, and I think that it's it's... Um, a bad place to start because you're going to disappoint yourself and you might fail in a big way and you need to set more realistic um, visions, I guess, and and really take those baby steps to to just do one thing one day and and to work towards a goal. But I think people can get over uh, ahead of themselves by pre-planning so far in advance that the world's changing. You can't plan that far in advance and expect what you want to happen will happen. There's just so many elements involved in that. Yeah. Well, you know, there's different types of people and and some people have to have it all figured out. And Mm -hmm. that's a huge disadvantage in business because these days, you know, a lot of people I talk to in Silicon Valley, they're all pivot based. There's like, we're going to start this. We've got this team of of like-minded people. We're all highly energized. We're all moving in a direction. And then in six months, we realize that this product is totally non-viable. We can't even give it away. So they pivot, but they don't pivot and dump all their talent. They pivot in a way that they can still 
really utilize the momentum that they've got going. And I, I think a lot of people misinterpret pivoting as, oh, we give everything up and then we just try something brand new. Exactly. Yeah. How often do you think you've pivoted? To, to be honest with you, I am not a really big visionary person. I am a doer. I'm an implementer. I I get stuff done. You know, I, I'm definitely um, all hands on deck involved. So for me, I, I although I I find I am creative, I'm definitely not this big visionary where I I like I said have this plan, but. I will say when something wasn't working or something felt that it wasn't right or I felt yucky, if you will, in certain circumstances, that's when I pivoted. That's when I was like, okay, well, let's shift that focus or let's redirect because that's not feeling good and this is really frustrating and I don't know what the other options are, but I know that I can make a choice and change the outcome. So I, I need to make those changes. And so I would say, you know, regularly, weekly, probably, um, I was feeling a, a very pivotal situation. For women in business, do you think that there's still a lot of problems for, for women in the, in the corporate culture? Absolutely. It was um, probably one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever experienced in my life because being a part of this company where I worked my butt off and was able to work up the corporate ladder until I was the director of sales and business development at 21 was a big deal. But I had no respect. People laughed at me that were, you know, on the leadership roles. Um, I would have an idea and they would say it was dumb. And then someone else would come, some other person would come up with the same idea and they would like it. <laughs> you know, it was, um, it was a very, very awful situation for me. And it, it made me realize that I don't know if it's because I'm a woman. I don't know if it was because I was young. I don't know if it was because of anything else in that regard. I don't know exactly, but I do feel like all of those things contributed to how I was treated. And I felt like I needed to respect myself more to walk away from it. And I knew I was good at it. So why not create my own business and establish a different culture, uh, a different type of company culture where we all work together and love our work and love each other and be able to create something great from that instead of feeling yucky about the situation we're in. Yeah, it's a fundamental problem. And I think certain corporations are they are realizing that uh, if they don't change soon, they're not going to be able to be uh, competitive because so many entrepreneurial women have gone out and done amazing things, have built up really powerful, very uh, impressive organizations, and they won't work with those organizations anymore. They will work with organizations that are like-minded. Do you find that more and more these days? Yeah, I do. I, I think that it's a really interesting world we live in today, and, and things are changing. And I think that they're all changing for the better in terms of um, business and how people work. And I think that it's been a long time coming, but I'm, I'm seeing the change bit by bit, and I think we're headed in the right direction. Mm. Now, you mentioned that you, you've got global uh, clients, do you find that uh, in other parts of the world there is um, a different headspace? Like in in Asia, it, it tends to be a little backwards as far as as women's rights, and in Europe, a little bit uh, ahead. Or am I wrong? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that. I think that I probably work with people globally on the level of um, online business, which is very similar in all these different cultures because it allows people to have a voice on a different level than in the boardroom. So I work with um, women business owners and men business owners that are uh, working online, have an online platform in the UK, Australia, Switzerland, um, Canada, of course, South America. And they all feel like they're on the same page, on the same level in terms of how they work. Um, so I've never really experienced it on the other hand outside of the online world. So I'm not sure I could could talk to that. But I think that the people we do work with definitely are on the same page in terms of um, women supporting women and how, how we do business. Mm. Yeah, it, you know, it is fascinating that there's this whole new uh, subsection uh, in business now that is 100% online, 100% virtual, huge savings in the ability to, you know, do their work without having like a brick and mortar existence. Uh, do you think that that is going to be the future of business as we move forward? Absolutely. It's really interesting. We have a bricks and mortar um, office. And then, of course, we do virtual work uh, with people in other countries as well. And it's way more successful than any of our local bricks and mortar businesses um, that we work with. So just in terms of, of how we do business and what we do is, um, is already proven to be so much more virtual, global, online uh, than it ever has before and way more successful. So I think the more and more I've been talking with business owners, the more and more people are looking less at having overhead and, and having a physical office and more working virtually because it's possible and it's successful. Well, plus it also enables you to be able to tap into a global talent set instead of having to search around in your local neighborhood or your local city to find uh, specific talent sets that are needed to grow in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, For you, what was the biggest aha moment? I took that step back and really realized how far I've come and celebrated that because I hadn't done that for such a long time. And I could kind of feel people starting to point at me and look at me and talk about me. And I felt that was so weird until I really took a step back and said, wow, I need to pat myself on the back because I've done this. I've created this and I have never been happier because of it. And just taking that time for myself and recognizing that was probably the biggest thing I've ever done in the last eight years of business. I wanted to touch on how people perceive you now that now that you've been published, because I find a lot of writers, uh, especially with their first book, people look at them different. They talk to them differently. Have you noticed that as well? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's such a great question. Yes, absolutely. Um, on, uh, in so many different ways, good and bad. So you know, all of a sudden you publish this book and people start recognizing you on a much bigger level in terms of, oh, you, you must, you know, be smart now or you, you must be really good at business because you wrote a book, you know. And I think that it's really interesting because the truth is, is I had all that in me all this time and people didn't recognize it or, or listen when I spoke. And now so many more people are listening because of, of the book and of the story. So I would say that it's definitely changed in a bigger way. And it also, 
um, has changed in a not so great way in terms of the naysayers. You know, again, how I ended my book and giving thanks to the people that always have something to say negative or um, people that are are against what you've created or think you're going to still fail or whatever the case might be. And there's been some of those. And so a friend of mine told me not too long ago, you know, you've arrived and become successful when you have lovers and haters. (laughs) So I guess it's helped. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, you can't you can't be in business and do and be successful without pissing off people. And then you're not pissing off people because you've been a jerk or anything. You're just pissing off people because you're doing what they have not been able to do, and they take affront to that, which is kind of sad. And that's probably the reason that they haven't been successful. Exactly, I, I agree with you 100. percent Let's talk about anecdotes in your book. I mean, you know, it is an amazing story, but is there a part of the book that you think of the most fondly? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of passages in it that I find are really beneficial for people. And they're they're mostly quotes is you you can't save people. You can only love them. And I think that's important to not take responsibility for other people's actions. Um, And also your past doesn't have to define your future. And just because things happen in your past does not mean you're not adequate or not able to create something different or to create a different outcome. And I found that those two things have have rang true for me all these years. And and today is really the building blocks of that book is, you know, if you can if you can walk away knowing those two messages, I think that you've you've been able to to gather a lot of information from it. For our listening audience, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say that whenever you're in the process of building a business and being an entrepreneur, you're going to run across some places in your life where you find them to be incredibly difficult and incredibly hard. And that's the moment when something's about ready to happen. And I've really, truly learned that, that there is something much bigger on the other side of those moments of, I don't know if I can do this anymore, or I want to give up, or this is so hard. You're really on the verge of something much, much bigger. And to know, I always look back on it, um, but to know that you'll survive it all too. So it's not the end of the world. No babies are going to (laughs) die. You know, you have to pick yourself up and continue to keep moving forward no matter how bad you think it is or how hard you think it is. That's when good things start coming your way. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, overcoming self-doubt for sure. And, you know, self-doubt is is killer because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, but if I I was really knocked down, I'll fight. It's not that type of self-doubt. It's the little teeny tiny pieces of, like, self-doubt that cripple you as a business person on a day-to-day level. It's like, "Ah, I don't think I'll call that person because I don't feel right about it. Call that person, for gosh sakes. Don't self-doubt yourself into inaction. It's better to call that person and have them say they're busy than not call them at all. Exactly. Yep. For you, and I kind of, it's kind of repeating the question, what part of the book got your biggest transformation happening? Um, I would say that that biggest transformation was when I went from corporate to owning my own business. And it was showing the strength that I had that I didn't think I had. And, and I look back on it, too, and I think, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I left a stable job, a really great paycheck, lots of great benefits to just give it all in and start doing something on my own. I had no idea it could work. No, no thought in my mind that I could actually make this happen. 
Um, and that was an interesting turning point because I still think, wow, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, for most people, that's the biggest step to do is is to walk away. Um, you know, a lot of people I talk to, they ask, you know, what's your recommendation becoming a freelance designer or a freelance this or a freelance that? And I said, well, have a full-time job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because... Y- y- Having a full-time job is a huge luxury these days, especially, um, because if you want to become an entrepreneur, you don't have to really throw it all away. You can dabble and you can check and you can start to build and maybe have one client and then use that as a stepping stone. Now, of course, you, you went bonsai and, and you know jumped in the deep end. Do you think there... Do you think that makes a difference? Do you think you can start slowly and slowly move into uh, the entrepreneurial lifestyle or you really have to do the big jump? No, I actually, I held both jobs at the very beginning. So I kept my corporate job because I needed to still pay my bills. And then I did um, my, my business, Solomar, at night. Like I literally stayed up the majority of the night and, and started working um, towards building that. And so I did that for almost a year before I was making enough money to supplement you know, at least paying my bills. And then I left my corporate job. So I would say that it would be really hard, uh, hard uh, for me to be able to just jump out and do it because I had no one else to depend on um, other than myself. So I had to pay my bills. I had to make it work. And, and the only way I could do that that was feasible was doing both of them for a while. Well, thank goodness you're a workaholic. I know, right? <laughs> do you think uh, being an entrepreneur, you have to be a workaholic or you can you can get away with with not being a workaholic i think that you have to be a workaholic i i think that um you're never not gonna not work so if you're if you're starting a business or in a business and you have an exit strategy then you shouldn't be starting a business because you are going to be knee deep in it all the time and there's no way out of that you always have to have your thumb on everything that's that's happening and if you're not passionate about about what you're doing and about your business, you're going to end up being uh, very hateful towards it and, and not enjoying it like you used to. The Curious One, from food stamps to CEO. Chelsea, thanks for coming on the show. It was awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. I hope to be back again soon. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show. And do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week.